It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the hashtag Take Note Thursday Utah Jazz podcast here at The Hive Sports. Make sure to follow us at The Hive Sports to be, be able to get all information, all things jazz, any updates and news. We're here to bring that to you. And I am Ethan Kershaw here today filling in for Dan, who is usually with you. Unfortunately, Dan was a little under the weather, so I'm just filling in today for the hosting you can go ahead and find me at Ethan Kershaw 9 on Twitter. Um, also today, going to be joined for the first time here at the Hive Sports by Headband Royce. Um, Headband Royce going to go ahead and uh, turn it on over to you just to go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and uh, talk about some of the things that you're doing right now. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. Um, pretty much, basically me. I'm just a lifelong jazz fan. Um, been on Twitter for a little over a year and a half, seriously now, with my Headband Royce account. But yeah, and then I just started something recently, Jazz Fan TV, where we're recording fan interviews after the games just to get people's thoughts on how they're feeling about the Utah Jazz outside the arena. But yeah, that's pretty much it with me. Yeah, um, if you haven't already, make sure to go ahead and check out uh, Jazz Fan TV um, with Headband Royce. Um, he's got some other people involved over there, and uh, the first the first little compilation or videos that they had were actually really really funny. So I really suggest you go ahead and uh, have a look on over at that. Uh, make sure to also follow Headband Royce at Headband Royce if you aren't already following him. Already have a massive Twitter presence and um, talking about a lot of things jazz. Um, so make sure to follow him on Twitter. And that being said, I'm going to go ahead and let's just jump on into some recaps uh, for the Utah Jazz. We're also going to be talking about all this on this episode, some of the struggles that the Jazz have been facing throughout this year already and um, how they can kind of get back on track, per se, for the rest of the season. So um, let's go ahead and just start off with the, the Pacers recap. This game took place, I believe it was last Thursday. And uh, so it's been a little bit of time, but a really unfortunate loss in this one. Uh, Headband Royce, how do you kind of feel about this game yeah this was a tough one uh the Pacers are a really good team they really showed it that night uh, overall they just ended up playing a lot harder and they definitely wanted to win more than we did there were a few key issues I thought mainly defensively I mean we've been having our shooting struggles a lot pretty much this whole season but when it really comes down to it I honestly think our defense has been worse than our offense which is weird to say in yeah. this game specifically I just feel like every single player on their sh- on their team was just getting open shots players shooting with a few feet of space and if they're just getting open shots like that eventually they're going to knock them down and it's going to be a tough game to win at that point right yeah I mean uh you know Malcolm Brogdon with 30 points in this game um you know and even TJ McConnell in this game off the bench um, with another 21 um, just something that you, you really can't allow um, as a team in the jazz that you're known for being such a defensive team. Donovan did have 26 points in this game, which was a really good game from him. Something you love to see. 
Um, and I also thought it was really interesting, just kind of the minutes. Um, obviously, you know, Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson almost playing the exact same amount of minutes. And then the minutes switch off with uh, Royce O'Neal and, and Joe Ingles, where Royce O'Neal ended up playing about six minutes more than Joe in this game. Um, and in the past, we've kind of seen more of a, a, a dual minute share between those two guys. And so, um, you know, just some interesting things from that game. But unfortunately, the Jazz do take the loss. I also find it interesting you mentioned um, how the Jazz have been, you know, pretty a, a pretty good offensive team this year, just struggling on defense. The Jazz actually, actually only have one game this year where they have failed to hit the 100-point mark. Um, and obviously in a lot of these games, they've also been allowing more than 100 points, which isn't great. But um, that kind of moves us on along now to – the next game that we kind of want to look at is going to be the Heat game. And this one was also, unfortunately, a loss as well. Um, very intense game. Um, you know, pretty, I, I would say, relatively close throughout until the third quarter where the Heat score 37 and the Jazz only get 21. Um, Royce, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, first half wasn't great. It wasn't awful. I mean, we could have even been down more than 10, so we were kind of lucky at that point. But like you mentioned, that third quarter was just awful. And once again, like the game before versus the Pacers, our defense was just awful. I felt like every other play we were getting backdoored and they were getting wide-open layups. I felt like they also did a really good job on their offense of taking Gobert and Whiteside out of it pulling them out just far enough. They were making some floaters. They're also getting some good lobs in there, which is the perfect counteract to our defense, I guess. But, yeah, just too many open shots, backdoor cuts on defense, and we couldn't lock it up. Yeah, I and agree then, with you. Yeah. And then just that fourth quarter run at the end, it was nice to see. But, yeah, I don't know. All in all, it's still just a pretty bad loss. But it was good to see us make some shots there in the fourth quarter and at least have some effort and make a run. Yeah, that was a huge run at the end of the game. And, you know, they're really reeling, almost getting there. And then, you know, just unfortunately not enough time left. I think maybe if you had extended the game by another two minutes, you, you might chalk this one up as a win. But unfortunately, that's uh, that's the rules there. And um, like, like you had mentioned, you know, the Heat were just getting a lot of opportunities. All starters in double figures um, for scoring points. But the Jazz did have, you know, Bogey, who got 26, Donovan, who got 22, and then Jordan Clarkson, who got 25 points off the bench. And so, um, it, like like you said, you know, another game where we have some good offense, but just not great defense. You mentioned Hassan Whiteside getting shut down. The guy didn't even score in 13 minutes played in this game. And then Eric Paschal, who's been pretty good for the team this year, only with one point. So that was kind of disappointing to see from those guys off the bench. Um, but, you know, brighter days were ahead and they sure were for the next game that we're going to look at which was the Philadelphia 76ers game this one the Jazz had the offense and the defense rolling in in this one and um, you know obviously very good game unfortunately for the Sixers obviously no Joel Embiid that changes the dynamic completely but Royce how about this one you like the win I did like the win Um, I was saying before more than anything, I just wanted to win over a good result at this point. <laughs> right. But yeah. we got both, which is good. I mean, 76ers were missing two or three starters. So um, we can't really chalk this one up as a big dub, in my opinion. I mean, we played good, which is nice. Bogey was on fire with 27, five mm-hmm. of seven from three. So hopefully he's found his shot and can start hitting. 
but Donovan had a solid game. I mean, all our starters played under 28 minutes, so they weren't going to fill up the stat sheet this game, but I'm just glad we got a win, most importantly. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you mentioned the starters. Um, no one getting over 30 minutes in this game. It's nice to see guys like Trent Forrest, Jared Butler, um, even Mieoni and um, Yudoka Asabuki getting, you know, just a little bit of a little bit more experience under their belt. Um, and that's something that's really going to be important, you know, when things like injuries come up and as the season rolls on and guys are just fatigued and, you know, needing rest. It's going to be important to get those guys integrated better in the offense. So really valuable playing time for those guys. Um, did you by chance see the uh, the tribute video for uh, for George Niang in the beginning of this game? I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was um that was actually pretty awesome. I'm glad that they you know recognized George Niang and for everything he did for uh, for the Jazz and um, obviously did you also see the play where um, if I'm not mistaken, let's see, I can't remember where it was. It was Joe Ingles was coming down the court. And Rudy Gobert kind of sets a screen. Joe Ingles fakes one way and totally got George Niang, took him totally out of the picture. And uh, later on Twitter, uh, Joe actually thanked George Niang for, um, quote, unquote, getting out of the way so that Joe Ingles could hit that wide open three. I don't know if you saw that or not, but lovely banter from the team. Yeah, he made him look good on that play. That's for sure. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, so, you know, the, the Jazz coming off this win, I'm sure got a lot of confidence going forward. But um, besides this game, kind of looking back more towards the Heat game and the Pacers game, you know, you mentioned kind of some of the difficulties that the team has offensively, really struggling to get started to go in the first quarter. Uh, Royce, why do you think that they have so many problems really getting going in the first quarter? I'm not sure exactly. I think... I mean, some games we'll start out, make our first couple of three-pointers, and our offense is feeling really good. But when we start one of eight or one of seven or something, I feel like the confidence kind of starts shaking in this team. And I don't know why. I just feel like even last season, there were some quarters where we would score under 25 points, but somehow still be in the game because our defense was keeping us in it. And – I just think if our defense was this good in the first quarter always and we just hit our season average of three-pointers even, we, we'd be in a way better start for the rest of the game because I just feel like we're never fully finding our best form in the first quarter for the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's always difficult to get off to that, that slow start and then kind of have that just set the tempo for the rest of the game. So I totally know what you mean. Um you know, I, I think that offensively, and we're, we're going to talk about this in a second, that's kind of the Jazz's identity. And so if they come out in the game firing threes and just missing a lot of them, um, it's, it's really going to hurt the team. And you mentioned, you know, um, it's just kind of like a, a thing where they need to get going. They need to wake up a little bit. And uh, people will probably from this podcast know me from doing Real Salt Lake stuff. <clears throat> Alex and I uh, over there with the Real Salt Lake podcast talk in length about Albert Rusnak and how he is the captain for the team and he needs to get guys up, you know, get guys energized, motivated, ready to go. If, if something bad happens or a mistake occurs to kind of lift them up and get them going. And, um, you know, similarly, I kind of feel like with the jazz, that is definitely Donovan Mitchell's role. Um, even though Donovan is a little bit younger in this league, he's a, a born leader and a true talent and he's already proven himself in this league. And so 
I think that during the first quarter, when they kind of have those slumps, I would like to see to see Donovan, you know, on the sideline, talking guys up, you know, getting them, you know, their, their mindset involved, getting them motivated to go. And um, in turn, I'd also like to see, you know, Donovan. I, I Don Donovan's been great over the last couple of games, but I mean, he can always be better. And so I would like to see maybe if they're struggling in the first quarter, the offense to start running through him and to to him start start getting going. And you know, Donovan Mitchell is definitely capable of creating his own shot and his own offense. And so I think that that's something that would be nice to see at least going forward. But I don't know if you feel the same way about that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, for his career, for some reason, Donovan's just always been better in the second half. So I'm not sure if he just finds his rhythm in the first half or kind of just figuring out the defense or whatever, but I agree in these first quarters. I mean, that could be the one critique on him that he's not a fast starter in some games and then other games he'll start five for five in the first quarter. So it's really hit or miss, but if he could get more consistent with maybe getting, I don't know, six to 10 points in the first quarter, I really think it would give our offense some confidence and help us out a little. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that would be fantastic. Um, you know, maybe if we bring someone off the bench like Jordan Clarkson for him to immediately get going in the first quarter, that would also help as well. But um, we'll see. We'll see um, how Quinn continues to allot the time and the minutes going forward for each players, especially in that quarter. First quarter, it's definitely going to be something to watch. Um, you know, we, we're talking about struggles here on this episode. So let's go ahead and just pile it on. Um, and Mike Conley, you know, admittedly has not looked great as of late um, in the two losses before the Sixers game, six points in each of those games. And then in the Sixers game, just 13 points. Um, Conley not playing fantastic, continuing to at times distribute the ball. But we really need to see more from the guy scoring wise. He's just been in a, a massive slump as of late. Uh, what do you think's wrong with Mike Conley, Headband? Oh, I'm not sure exactly. I mean... If you look at his percentages and compare him to last year, I mean, they're even a little bit better. But for some reason, it just doesn't feel like he's making nearly as big as an impact as last year. Um, his points are down almost from it's they're down from sixteen point two last year to thirteen point eight this year, and he's taking two point two less per shot, two point two shots less per game this season, and. I don't know. I think it's both on offense and defense. Last year, he had really good mm -hmm. statistics stats, but I think that was mainly because he played the most minutes with Rudy Gobert. And especially yeah. against the Heat and Pacers, it just felt like blow by after blow by, especially TJ McConnell and even Malcolm Brockton. I mean, he just couldn't stay in front of them, which was upsetting, but I don't know. He just doesn't seem to be like in the rhythm or is able to make as big as an impact as he was doing last year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been difficult to see. And, you know, um, I, I got, I got to ask you, Mike Conley, you talked about other guys just kind of blowing past him. Do you think this guy is kind of turning into a little bit of an old man? Like, do you think his age at 34 years old kind of has something to do with maybe this, this decrease and decline in production? I definitely think so. I mean, if you look at other 34-year-olds around the league, Mike looks like he's a few years older than those guys even. Right. Um, 
hasn't played a back-to-back for us. And I'm not sure if that throws off his rhythm, just playing a game and then watching the next one and then having to go back out there and play there. That could be part of it. I understand why we have to rest him for his hamstrings. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, I think he is just getting a little old. Uh, We really aren't a young team anymore. I mean, we've had a few of the same guys who always feels like we've been younger, kind of just the Quinn Snyder era. But we're actually one of the older teams in the league now. So with Mike, I think he's definitely getting there. And I think his production is definitely going to drop a little. But it's just whether or not if he can stay efficient and actually be impactful for us. Yeah, that that worries me going forward because I remember when we first made the Mike Conley deal, it was really when we we as Jazz fans, I guess you could say, started talking about, hey, you know what? The, the Jazz can have – I mean, they have potential now to get to the finals with this last piece in Mike Conley. And now that, you know, he's getting older, he maybe looks like he might be on the decline. It's a bit worrisome for the Jazz chances, jazz chances going forward at really a, an NBA championship. So, um, you know, might be – might be maybe one last shot for the Jazz to get to the finals this year and then maybe rebuild in some areas and just play that around Donovan and Rudy. But we'll see uh, about that. You mentioned the defensive struggles for Mike Conley. Let's talk about kind of the defensive struggles for the entire team. Um, You know, we mentioned that they're allowing a lot of points and have been losing games. Have you been able to see anything in the game particularly that leads you to to believe why this team is – um, you know, not being as great as they have been in the past defensively? Yeah, um, I think it's a few of the same issues as last year still. I think we tried to address some, but I don't think they've quite shown through yet. Um, mainly, obviously, our interior defense is always going to be the best in the league or right top three with elite 48 minutes of shot blocking with Gobert and Whiteside. Mm-hmm. But same as last year, it's just our point of attack defense at the top of the three, which I know is our scheme at some point, but we want people to drive in and take floaters or mid-range shots. So we just try to run them off the three-point line. But I think there's just still a line that our players aren't closing out correctly to where they'll be up on someone at the three-point line and they'll just do one crossover and be right past them and then in Rudy's face. And then just like it's always been, whoever plays with Rudy, they just look back there and hope he can cover for them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, and a lot of times he does, thankfully. But, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's It's been tough. And – um, you mentioned Mike Conley's defense as one of the issues, but kind of at the at the point of attack, you talked about, you know, we're, we're failing, we're lacking in that respect. And one of the guys, or I guess two of the guys that are responsible for being occasionally those perimeter defenders on some, you know, occasionally the, the other team's best player is going to be someone like Royce O'Neal. And, you know, sometimes when Royce O'Neal isn't in the game, it's Joe Ingles. If they're in at the same time, it's both of them. And um, Royce, you know, is is known for being one of the best defensive players on the Jazz. Um, I would say that still holds true. Um, But I want to jump to kind of a a thought that I've had, and I want to kind of get your thoughts on it. Um, We're going to jump to 
talking kind of about Joe Ingles, you know, and um, his minutes as of late and his defense and um, from, from what you can tell, just kind of a, a loss of intensity. Um, what do you think that, what do you think is going on with Joe Ingles and kind of his, I mean, his productive decline as well? Yeah, I mean, Joe's 36 now. He's not young at all, which is weird to say, I guess, since he's been here oh, yeah. for so long. But, I mean, he played all those games in a row, had the record in the NBA for a while. But, yeah, right now he's just, Averaging 25 minutes a game, which I think is way too many for any 36-year-old that isn't LeBron or in that top all-star tier. Um, like someone like Eric Pascal who's getting 10 to 15 minutes maybe, who's been pretty impactful. I mean, there's some differences from Ingles and Pascal. Ingles obviously brings the shooting and playmaking that Pascal can't, but Pascal can bring much better defense. He can guard one through four, even the center very well sometimes. And he's really good at just getting to the basket, which is good for our offense sometimes when we aren't hitting three-pointers or anything. So I honestly just think Joe Ingles needs a few less minutes. Um, There's been – a few times that I've just seen him have a wide open look and pass it up. And there's one play in specific where he's at the top of the three and he's wide open. And so is Pascal in the corner and he just kicked it one more to Pascal and he had an even more contested three pointer and missed it. So I just thought that was odd that someone who's shooting, let's see here, 39% from three point land is passing to someone who's shooting 25%. So I'm just not sure why he doesn't have the intensity to just get in people's face or pull up three pointers at will like he used to do. Yeah, it kind of. I mean, from what you're describing, it kind of sounds like to me that Joe Ingles is lacking in confidence, which is, is strange because we've never really seen that from Joe um, throughout his career. He's always been a guy to just kind of grab the ball, shoot, and you know, he he doesn't care what anybody else thinks about him, and so. It's really interesting to, to, you know, say he's passing up some some open shots. He's not playing super well. He's missing a lot of shots. Um, could be due to a lack of confidence and even that old age factor as well that starts creeping up. So I got to ask you, let's just say hypothetically that during the season, Royce O'Neal goes down to injury. He's out for a couple of games and the Jazz need to insert a new starter into the lineup. Are you starting Joe Ingles or are you starting Eric Pascal? In the starting lineup, I would definitely be okay starting Eric Pascal just because we still have Donovan and Mike Conley, who are still really good creators. Um, Bogey isn't necessarily a good passer, per se, but he creates enough space to draw defenders over, which is good enough to open more space that I think Eric and Pascal could work together. And so I think that's who I would start, honestly, in my opinion. So let's say maybe uh, – I, I agree with you for, for the time being, but let's say that Joe Ingles starts to get back on track, starts hitting threes, looks like good old normal Joe that we know and love. Does your answer change in that case? I mean, it could potentially, but even right now, look how softly we're treating Mike Conley. And right. Joe Ingles is two years older and playing just as many minutes, and he's not sitting out games. 
and he's playing even more minutes when Conley is out. And I Joe had his career year last year, and by the time the playoffs were here, he was burnt out. Him and Conley and pretty much everyone, because I feel like that's one critique on Quinn Snyder that I'll always say is his rotations and minutes for starters are always a little heavy or they end up playing more than they should. Like even the blowout versus the 76ers, Jared Butler only got five minutes and we won by 35 or yeah, 35 points. And we were up 30 in the third quarter. So makes no sense why Azabuki's getting three minutes. Clarkson is playing 22 and even Ingles is still playing 26, which was more than the other nights in a blowout. Yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy. And, you know, you mentioned the critique of Quinn with his minute rotation. Um, Eric Pascal hasn't been getting a lot of time lately. Do you think that, like, Quinn might just, like, legitimately hate Eric Pascal a little bit? Like, just, you know, not wanting to play him as much? I think it just comes to how stubborn Quinn is sometimes. I mean, Sorry. he's an excellent coach, obviously, but everyone knows he's not going to change his – game plan during the game like that's mm-hmm. just been his thing he has a game plan he plays to percentages and even if players are way above their averages he's gonna stick to it because he just believes that's gonna work so he's just really bought into the fact that we always need four shooters out that are shooting about 35 percent from three and if anyone below that is in it would just destroy our offense which i don't think is true so you mentioned, you know, Quinn is a percentages guy. Um, I'm going to kind of jump over to a, a different thing that we're going to look at. It's it's similar to the offensive struggles on the team and kind of relating really to Mike Conley, Joe Ingles. And I guess you could throw Eric Pascal on in there as well. But the three-point efficiency for the team, the Jazz on offense are a three-point shooting team. They need to have shooters on the floor at all times because that is what they do. Um, last year, especially, they just lived and died by the three. And so in the last three games, you know, against the Pacers, 28% from three, 32% against the Heat, and then 42% against the Sixers, was in, has been increasing a little bit over the last couple games. But um, when they are struggling with the three-point game, what's the move on offense? Yeah, and in those games, it just shoots us out of the game sometimes. And, I mean – that's the thing when we're losing by that point, the mindset is, oh, well, three pointers are worth more than two. So that's the only way to come back. And you just continue to shoot yourself out of the game instead of just getting buckets and then getting a stop on defense. I don't think that's how our team views it, but I think if we aren't hitting, we just need to move the ball around a little more. I mean, there's always those clips of us, having everyone touch the ball twice, then we have an open three-pointer. And as long as they're wide open looks with the right guy and no one's around you, like, please shoot it, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Like, there's not very many centers taller than Rudy. And I honestly think if we just aren't getting it going, run some more pick and roll with Rudy, try and get some lobs, some layups, even some mid-rangers from – like Donovan or Clarkson, just anything other than a three-pointer to try and get that cylinder off the top of the rim. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what, Whiteside, when he comes into the game, he slides in very well for Gobert. And I I like that idea, you know, of just 
pick-and-roll offense. I think the Jazz have had a lot of success with that, even in the past and throughout this year as well. And so when they start struggling with the three, I think they need to go to pick-and-roll. I also think that, you know, get the ball into the hands of your best players. Um, I would like to see, for as amazing as Rudy Gobert is and as much as I love the guy, I would like to see him develop more of his um, low post game, which, you know, I mean, it, his low post game, it's not extremely there. It is every now and then, and he has some success there. But I would like to see him, you know, post guys up and, and take him back him down. He's not extremely muscular, but he's a very big and tall guy. And especially if the other team is playing at maybe a shorter center, which in a lot of cases in this today's NBA is the case, um, I would like to see them, you know, go to Gobert and maybe get him on the low block if he can start developing that part of the game. That's a big if, I know, but it's something I would like to see, you know, when the Jazz are struggling, get the ball into the hands of your best players and let them be playmakers. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, Rudy has technically gotten a little bit better each year, but I really don't like seeing him shoot mid-rangers I'd rather him just be able to put one post move to memory but um when he works on his post game like it shows I just wish he would play more like Giannis's quote-unquote running and dunking I mean oh, yeah. he's even longer than Giannis and sometimes when he's on these mismatches I feel like he's still trying to lay it up over the top of him instead of just <laughs> using his long arms and big hands to just dunk over the top of them. Yeah, no, exactly. And it, we've seen Rudy bring the ball down the court before. So like, go ahead and get a big fella. Like he can do this, but um, yeah, I don't know. He's maybe not as athletic as Giannis is, but um, I mean, potential to do, to do that, bring the ball down the court or something. Just Whoa, go sorry, and run and dunk it. Not saying like bring the ball up the court by any means, but I, I, just when he's in the he post. Should do yeah. That, but yeah, yeah, he can, he, he has the ability to what I'm saying is, get a running start, you know, and get the momentum going forward to, to just dunk it. But yeah, yeah, I, I just, I, his, I see what you're saying. I just think his best post move he should do is have him on his back in the post, turn around and dunk it. Oh yeah. Just one hand over the top of them. And cause you're probably longer than them. Like you yeah. have the longest wingspan in the NBA. I don't think anyone's going to be blocking you if you do it hard enough. So <laughs> I don't know. That's what I like to see more from him. Yeah, no, absolutely. On paper, we, we say that we're like, like, you know, Rudy, come on, just turn around and dunk the ball. I'm, I'm yeah. sure it's a lot easier, <laughs> easier said than done and everything. But, but yeah, definitely. I'd like to see that as well. Um, so, I mean, you know, the Jazz, they've been playing okay. They started off the season fantastic, but as of late have been a little rocky, a little bit of struggles. Some of their deficiencies have kind of been uncovered and revealed. Um, last kind of little tidbit. Um, I did notice as well that I, I believe it was this week that the Jazz um, sent Jared Butler and um, Yudoka Azebuke, and I think it was – you're going to have to remind me. It was somebody else that they sent down to the Salt Lake City Stars, if I'm correct. Yeah. Um, so those guys are just heading down there to get more basketball playing time. Um, I guess – we expected a little more out of Butler than what we're getting, maybe. I mean, he's only played such few minutes. I don't even think it's fair to have an opinion on him yet. Right. But I've seen people saying he needs a lot of more time to develop. But I honestly just think he hasn't found his game yet. So I think him and Doak going to the Stars can be good for them. Be the 
one and two options on that team, get some shots in and learn how to run our offense really because that's the great thing is the Salt Lake City Stars run our exact same offense. So it's just perfect practice for them to get to know the offense even just a little bit better each time. That is good practice, I will admit. Um, but I, I personally, I would like to see Jared get, I think, more game minutes. I think that's what's going to help him develop. Um, as a Buki, I, I'm more on the side of, you know, let him go to the Stars, continue to develop that way. But I think that Butler, even though he's he's young, he's a rookie, I would like to see him get more game time. And I think that that's going to be something that will help his growth. But, um, you know, we shall see. Like I said, as injuries come up and fatigue happens throughout the season, it's possible that he gets more of a, a game-playing um, minute usage throughout the team and the, the lineup. So we'll see about that. Um, game previews this week. The Jazz will be playing the Raptors on Thursday. The Kings on Saturday, the Grizzlies on Monday, and the Thunder on Wednesday. All those games, honestly, very winnable games for the Jazz. So kind of high expectations that we've got here. And hopefully next week, um, you know, you guys will be talking about some some Jazz wins and some successes and some good things that are happening. But before we uh, go ahead and end this episode today, Ed Ben Royce, have I missed anything? Anything else you, you want to bring up or any other thing you want to talk about? No, I think that's everything. Uh, just once again, you can follow me and find me on Twitter at Headband Royce, and then also just the Jazz Fan TV project I'm working on. Yeah, absolutely. Head on over to uh, Headband Royce's Twitter, follow him, and follow Jazz Fan TV as well. Great stuff and great content over there. Like I mentioned before, I am Ethan Kershaw. You can follow me at Ethan Kershaw Nine on Twitter. And this has been the hashtag Take Note Thursday podcast for the Utah Jazz. I hope you all have enjoyed this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you all next week. Talk to you all later. See ya. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school. So check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.